you're super important to, I think, uh, you know, the legacy of arcade games and, and video games, and you're continuing a lot of what your, what your dad started. Tell us a little bit yeah. about, yeah, tell us a little bit about your, you know, your, you know, continuing your dad's legacy and, and, and what he did and what you're doing and the relationship between the past and kind of what's going on now. How do you kind of connect those two worlds and what do you feel like your responsibility is to arcades and gaming and that sort of culture, right? Because you could do many, many different things. You have experience in communications and marketing and, you know, you have family that's into all types of, you know, investment and inventing and all types of stuff like that. So why do something as unique and what seems to be as challenging as, you know, convincing people that arcade games are, are, are important and that gaming together is super valuable still. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. And, and convincing people that it's important is like the main thing I do right now. Um, but uh, basically like, you know, looking at, I come from a big family. Um, so I've got seven siblings. Um, we love playing any kind of game together. We play a lot of board games, video games. Um, but because there's so many of us, couch co-op is definitely the favorite uh, category. Um, and, and by extension, you know, I'll, because we hunt down, like, you know, play together titles, um, I'll then bring those to my friends and, and otherwise. Um, but I, I started to notice a couple things, um, about, about, you know, eight years ago. Um, and a, a couple of things I noticed was a, that like pretty much anyone that you put the right the right game in their hands, they're gonna really enjoy it. You know, whether they're a gamer, they own consoles or not, um, you know, if they don't consider themselves any kind of gamer uh, and, and you know, you put the right two button game in their hand, they're gonna have a blast, right? And, and we're all playing together. There's high fives, there's, you know, uh, some smack talking, it's a grand old time. Um, meanwhile, the, the proper gaming industry has sort of gone down this rabbit hole of hardcore um, where you now have this like concept of a gamer and uh, many people are like, that's not me, but I like games. It's just that the whole gaming industry seems so focused on this gamer profile um, that, that like video games have kind of gotten away from most people, right? right. Um, mobile has sort of mitigated that, but uh, and mobile has really like shown a lot of people that that they enjoy games. Um, this comes, but mobile mobile's kind of its own beast, right? Where it's like it's very uh, I don't want to say lonely, but like it is kind of lonely, right? It's it's people on their private device, and no one's ever gonna really like interact with you on a mobile game. There are you know multiplayer mobile games and stuff, but again you know, most of what we see in, in video games um, and when it comes to online play, the vast majority is very, uh, the mechanics are focused on the game and the fact that you have other people on voice is kind of like part of the game mechanics, if you will, you know, it's like, like playing Fortnite is not like, it's not as much of us hanging out as it is like us trying to win, right? Um, whereas there's something different about like a couch co-op game where the rounds are quick. There's like a lot of socializing that happens in between, um, you know, because the rounds are quick, you can take quick breaks and stuff like that. It just, 
it sort of changes the flow of the gameplay and the social atmosphere is, is different. Um, so, uh, for a very long answer to your question, uh, the, the general, you know, we felt like there's, there's a couple things missing in gaming today. One, um, the gaming industry is so focused on that hardcore player and we feel like there needs to be more focus on the mid core player. Um, as an extension, uh, the, we did a very good job of this. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the second reason is that, um, we've sort of like lost that social aspect of video games. Um, and I would kind of blame that more on hardware than it's, it's both a hardware and curation problem where most people just have like an Xbox with one controller, right? Controllers are expensive. Unless you have a lot of friends over all the time, you don't have multiple controllers. Um, it's Xbox or PlayStation, whatever. Um, if you are a PC gamer, you might not even have a controller, even though there's tons of games that play well with a controller. So it's, it's kind of this, this problem of hardware where like there's, you have to be a certain kind of dedicated gamer to have the gear uh, to play these like sort of multiplayer couch co-op style games. Um, and most people don't. So uh, I think that, that the style of play uh, needs some more common hardware. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, the gaming industry is too focused on that hardcore player. Um, I want to add one more thing into this. Yeah, um, yeah. So my dad uh, over the years has had hundreds of people come up to him and tell him that they met their significant other playing Pong. Uh, right. So Pong was like a two player game only um, mostly existed in bars. Uh, and it turned out that, that as it sort of started to catch on, uh, it became very uh, common for women to use it almost like a pickup as a pickup line, like, will you play Pong with me? Um, it's, you know, very like low barrier, very easy icebreaker, non-threatening. Uh, and now you're like sort of locked into this one-on-one -on -one game with somebody for just long enough to get to know them uh, and, and continue the conversation. That's nice. huge. That's huge. And I think that, you know, when I, when I read, I have a, a couple of the Atari um, design books, you know, over the years, you know, it's logo changes and the art, you know, cover art changes and the philosophy behind the design. And I just find it completely fascinating. You know, I think it's just an incredible story how Pong and gaming literally brings people together, like not just Oh, we're playing together, but like you meet a lifelong partner by playing Pong. And I think that's just incredible. Um, but it really goes to show that you're thinking about the things that, you know, Kai and I think about when we're thinking about like the purpose of games and why we play games. You know, what's the, we don't play them to kill time. We play them to meet people, to connect with people, to learn how we think and how other people think. So when I found out you were, you know, designing and re releasing these super cool installations these arcade cabinets that you could just you know plug into the wall super easy and everybody can be a part of the living room now it's like now brought back to life and people aren't just on their phones I thought that was really fascinating I think um what I want to I want to I want to give you a proposition I want to see what you think about it so we made uh, or I made a small documentary talking about the reason part of the reason why arcades started to diminish in the in, in the states uh, while they kind of flourished in Japan was because America 
was really into commodity culture and really wanted to sell a singular product like a Nintendo or an Xbox, maybe this is my hypothesis. And I was curious to think, do you think that that's the same way? Uh, how did culture get so shaped or gaming culture get so much, um, you know, get curated so strongly by hardware and get shaped so much by this very narrow narrative, this very specific narrative that is not any way representative of the people that exist that love games. How did this happen? Yeah. So, so I actually have, uh, 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 my own theory on that sort of with, um, arcades in the U S versus Japan. Um, the, in the U S I think arcades died out for, um, kind of a very specific reason. Like uh, you know, arcades, it's initially were, uh, you were able to get more tech or better tech into an arcade machine than you could at home, right. At, at the beginning, uh, or back in the eighties and nineties. So like whatever game system you had at home, whatever was in the arcade was better just because the tech, you know, was at the time was bigger. So you couldn't fit it into a home, home unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the arcade you know, survived in that environment. I mean, at first, you know, there was no console, so the arcade was the only thing. But uh, as that changed, you know, Atari, it was like every Atari game was just kind of a little shittier on the Atari than it was on the on the arcade. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> the, um, but so, uh, you know, for that reason, the, the arcades were, had a value over the home device, right? Like, spending a quarter on that arcade game like there was you couldn't get that experience anywhere else um and as the consoles came to penetrate um and and the 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 tech caught up right to where you could pretty much get the same thing on the home console as you could in the arcade in the arcade and to me that exact moment was street fighter 2 coming out on this super nintendo that's that's what killed the arcade for me personally um and and i think probably for a lot of people like as soon as we like saved up and got that game on super nintendo we stopped going to the stanford arcade where which was our closest arcade um now so like the the value offering for the the consumer was that you know i can do this at home for free now um no well for a single upfront cost and not pay per play um so why did japan keep going with arcades um when that you know they kind of had the same tech shift as the u.s um someone told me this i don't know like i haven't done my own research on this but um the cultural reason for japan keeping on with arcades uh Salary men in, in Japan, uh, which, you know, is just kind of like your regular uh, white collar worker. Um, th- someone told me that they basically are like an important salary. Ma- uh, if you're important at your company or business, then you stay late because you have a lot to do. Um, and what what happened is that, uh, you know, this would translate to the home life. And so if you come home early and your wife sees you come home early, she's like, oh, you're a loser. Um, 
because you're not important at the office. And so what ended up happening is salary men would get off work and go to the arcade for three hours uh, and, and kill some time so that they get home late. I don't know how true this is, but this is what was described to me. Right. Definitely. Okay, cool. And I wanted to know a little bit about, you know, uh, kind of briefly, how do you describe, you know, your family's, you know, legacy and your dad's legacy with, <coughs> with gaming and your kind of responsibility to kind of carry that torch? Or do you feel like you maybe don't have a responsibility? Or how do you perceive that huge, um, you know, symbolic undertaking? Right. Because that's yeah. such a that's such that's a big deal, man. You know, and I know you've probably have heard this many times that that's amazing that that you get to bring not just work in the gaming industry, but you get to bring the same aesthetic and the same values and the same principles into the modern era. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, gaming like I'm I, I love gaming since day one. Um you know, independent of any of the family stuff, uh, or maybe that's part of it. <laughs> um, but I've always been a huge gamer. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like my, like, sort of what I, I think I can bring to the industry is making gaming something that it, that people, uh, you know, I'd sort of want to get rid of that gamer word, not, not get rid of it, but, um, just make a lot of people remember that like, oh, gaming's for everybody. Um, and, you know, there are categories of gaming and you enjoy, you know, whatever categories you enjoy, but, um, you know, we all kind of can get behind this and, uh, and frankly, it like helps us like interact with each other. You know, it's, it's, it's a purpose. Gaming provides a purpose, right? Um, and and it it has this unique ability to bring us together where you know we can always be get behind the idea of like let's meet up and you know throw down some rounds at whatever game we like uh and um you know that's going to be a, a a fun time and and if you add in like the arcade experience um then we might meet some people along the way. And, and, you know, that's, it really adds that, that social element that uh, arcade play style lends itself to, uh, I think is really powerful and, and important. And, you know, with you, when you look at what modern tech can do um, with connectivity and apply that to the arcade machine, it gets really exciting, right? Where you can, um, you know, your high score lists are not only localized, but they're, you know, just me and my friends. And uh, you can, you know, start to challenge people when they're in the same place uh, remotely with notifications, uh, get get local events going and and, you know, bring groups of people together. I would love to like, you know, we're, we're planning at some point to do a uh, collaboration with like Tinder to do singles nights and stuff like that um, around the machines. Uh, you know, the pandemic has not been awesome for that. Um, <laughs> but, but maybe this summer it'll be a, it'll be a prime time. Definitely. Um, when I first came into contact with a Polycade machine, it was in a sneaker store. And I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> And uh, I remember actually seeing 
images of the of the cabinet on like Pinterest, I think, and Tumblr and just, you know, online because I'm always looking at cool uh, cabinets. And um, once I found out that, that you were the person making them, I got really curious, like, what are your uh, values in, in your brand and in your aesthetic and your design? It obviously has a strong brand identity, but like, what are the things that sort of anchor your, um, you know, the choosing of the colors that you choose and the branding that you do, you know, what, what, what are the values? What are you trying to um, express, you know, maybe philosophically? Yeah, totally. So, so, I mean, the, the design focus was um, how do I take this, like this thing that has a very specific design and like a kind of style to it and uh, reinvent it without losing it. Um, the goal really was to uh, restylize the cabinet so that it could work in places where like, where people, you know, pe arcade machines have a certain connotation. Typically it's the basement and garage these days, right? right? Mm -hmm. With the exception of guys like us that are like, that should be in the living room because it's art. Um, the, you know, so the goal was to create a design that still kind of like hints back to that arcade machine style and, and uh, culture um, while being something that could be like front and center in a hotel lobby. And like, everyone's like, that makes sense. Um, and so, so that's where the design comes from. And, and uh, the kind of the, the long tail story on that is that, you know, I was building, I always wanted to build my own arcade machine, finally sat down to do it, told my wife that I was going to put an arcade machine in the living room. She's an interior designer, said absolutely not. Um, and so I said, well, wait a minute, let's, you know, find a design that, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, made a hundred designs and was like, what do you think, which one can go in the living room? Um, and so, so we worked that out. The, when it comes to the, the colors and aesthetic, um, always just loved the like Atari, stripes and activision stripes if you saw like the old you know you know like the old pitfall cover um those they're just they're so vibey uh i kind of hate gradients for the most part and so uh i think they look cheap mostly um so the solid color stripes just like so good they they give you that like 70s like early early arcade vibe um and the other thing that I really love about uh, sort of the stripe vibe, also, if you, if you look back at like a lot of the old timeout arcades, um, they used our colors. So, mm -hmm. and in the in stripe format, uh, pretty much. So like, um, it was kind of that sort of sun, uh, you know, yellow, orange, red, with then like a couple blues in there. Um, I wish those were like still around, you know, that we could still like visit some. You know what? Totally. I, I like had a moment where I was like, oh my God, maybe we can trademark timeout arcades. <laughs> yeah. And then I remembered there's that like English company called timeout that like owns everything timeout related. Oh yeah. Word. Yeah. yeah so, well, um, but, but so like that, the, the, the stripe aesthetic also comes from the timeout arcades and, and the colors specifically. Um, lastly, I will mention that um, 
for our product and, and design, one of the goals was for, for like product design and branding. Um, I mean, our logo is directly inspired by it's the Pong font um, and, you know, clear calls to Nintendo as well. Um, so, so those, I was, those were like the, the logo inspiration. Um, the, the colors and stripes are also aimed at being highly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, kind of like a canvas, uh, where, you know, we like to think of the product as, as like a bare brick, right? Highly skinnable. Um, it can sort of be anyone's style, um, right. By just sort of easily changing the colors, skinning the outside, um, all of the brand and, and design is, is aimed at being sort of like a blank canvas while, uh, while also having it's like fun, playful, uh, bright color side to it. Right. I love it. Is there any opportunity or anything in the cards for a polycade arcade? So yes, I would. I mean, that's like number that's like one. That's like the goal, dream. right? Yeah. yeah. And like the last thing a VC wants to hear is that you're going to put a brick and mortar uh, place up. <laughs> but right. um, so, but you know what's interesting right now? Uh, I don't want to say we're we're we are actually considering that more strongly than we ever have because the pandemic has basically you know wrecked uh, retail. And so there's pretty, some pretty fantastic deals out there um, that would actually might make it make sense right now. Um, and, and that retail or that experience, the Polycade Arcade would be like, yeah, I, don't get me thinking about that because I've got other <laughs> shit to do and I re really want that. Uh, like some kind of like... Yeah, experiential retail slash arcade slash like stream rooms and stuff. Man, right? Yeah, well, because and That's the reason it. why, yeah, definitely because it's like when I think about Polycade, when I see the cabinets, when I experienced them, when I played on them, it's so ahead of its time, you know what I mean? Like, in a good yeah. way, though, like, but it's it's cutting edge, man. Like, because yeah. like you're trying to get people who maybe stop playing games to get back into games, you have to explain that to them, but then there's also the person that's like they 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 don't see the they're like i got my xbox or i got my playstation or i have my pc you know why am i going to play on a super cool awesomely designed thing that deconstructs the notion of a gamer like it's so cutting edge that it seems like it would be it would really flourish in its own space in its own environment you know what i mean totally yeah and and really get that chance to like sort of rope people in and and you know an easy place to bring your friends and and yeah and it's like connected, like I said, I experienced in a sneakerwear store. So it's like ingrained in my mind, like that it's kind of subtly connected to streetwear culture in a way. You know what I mean? It's connected to that, to that, that era of like, this is, it's not just a t-shirt. You know what I mean? This isn't just, yeah. a game. you know what I mean? I, you know, you, you make a great point. Like I've always been attracted to streetwear culture, but I'm not a sneakerhead, uh, yeah. you know, but like, I, I've had a hard time, like, like, figuring out why I'm so attracted to sneaker or streetwear culture. I mean, I've always like, you know, loved the skater vibe and, and everything like that, but you make a great point that it's like, uh, there's something about that, like 
sort of street wear, street life that like really comes back to the arcade machine, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. we're, we're out in the world and exploring the world and like, and the arcade machine is the like gaming platform for us. Yeah, it makes, it makes play, it takes play serious. You know what I mean? It's like play is not just play. It's actually like an important part of culture, you know? Yeah, totally. Right. Right. And, and where, when you're out with your friends, like that's a fixture that, that is like part of that social experience. Definitely. Cool. Cool. And th that kind of leads me to my next question about, can we expect, or have you thought about, or have maybe have worked on it? We, we couldn't find it about working with fighting game tournaments, fighting arcade sticks, because me and Kai are big fighting game fans. We we grew up on Street Fighter 2 Turbo and SNES and um, MK2, all that. And it would be really cool if we got the polycade aesthetics in competitive fighting game arcade sticks and got to see the pros use them. Is that anywhere in the future? 100% a dream. Um, I mean, or, or, you know, something we want. For me, this is going to sound funny. But when I started Polycade, the last Street Fighter I was aware of, and I'm a gamer, was Street Fighter 2. Uh, at the time, <laughs> Street Fighter 5 had just come out. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, I'm a gamer. You know, I'm not, like, playing Call of Duty every day. I'm not, you know, so I don't, like, I wasn't looking up every new iteration of Street Fighter. But I, like, did not even know 3, 4, and 5 existed. Right. Um, and like much less like my friends and literally everyone that reaches out to Polycade is like, do you have Street Fighter 2? And I say no, but you can get five on Steam. They're like, oh, five. OK. <laughs> like they yeah, had never heard of it either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so and they probably don't think... have Steam either. They probably don't have Steam. They're like Steam. Oh, is... Dude, the 95 percent of our customers have never heard of Steam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They like don't even know what it is. They're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, my my internet streams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's like I what I look at it as is like I see Polycade as like the hardware to the philosophy that we're writing about <laughs> with arcade yeah. stuff. It's like it's like you're doing the actual real thing. You know what I mean? Like you're putting aesthetically pleasing cool easy to install arcade cabinets in homes and bars all around the country not because people are saying the world needs it but because you know it's it's important to to life it really is important that we have something that looks cool that kind of slowly steers the narrative of what gaming has become because right now and i do play games i mean i have an xbox it's not cool man like X Xbox is cool, but like where we're going with the narrative of gaming, I'm like, this is super stale, you know? It's yeah. so, yeah. like, it's, it's just like, like even yeah. like Street Fighter, which I love Street Fighter. It's like, I don't play Street Fighter Five. I don't play, like, beca not because I don't love Street Fighter, because I do, but it's just, it's not the arcade. It's not like right. I'm playing with people in an arcade, like playing online with lag and everything else that goes along with it is just not cool you know what i mean you're, so I you're love missing it. the experience right yeah, yeah that's why yeah. we play you know and i mean tyler he mentioned this early on in the interview but it's it's those two extremes and there's no communication 
and that mid ground, you, you know, so in every sport or even even if you want to, you know, say something like chess, there's different everybody on every level kind of understands the game and the concept. But it's not like that with gaming or whatever. So if you go to basketball or whatever, football, baseball, there's like a mid casual, you know, intersection between people who know the game on an extreme level and then people right. who know the game on on a casual level. But there's that disconnect of communication in the mid ground for the gamer, right. which and that's where you kind of get these terms. So, you know, the gamer and then you have a distinct description. They, they don't think of poly arcade most of the times, you know, and that stylized aesthetic that you've created because it's an art piece, man. But people don't look at it that way. But much appreciated. And Kai, yeah, you mentioned a great thing like um, the the that like middle ground um when it comes to something like basketball right like it's mm -hmm. we all learned how to play basketball as kids we all know how basketball works there's a huge meta game in basketball and if you're really into it you understand the meta game and like all the details and and everything else right so like you can have that divide of like you know i'm casually into basketball and you're hardcore into basketball and we can go watch a basketball game together right right gaming doesn't have that as much right mm -hmm. where like and, and maybe that's changing gradually, but uh, because like, e this is a big problem in esports where, you know, esports is for people who play the games that are being played in esports, right? Uh, they, they're having, they're, they have an extremely difficult time in attracting viewership from anyone that doesn't play those games. Okay. Right. Yep. Yep. Because they don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Well, yeah, it seems like like basketball, football and other sports have been integrated into modern life. It's been it's a part of American life, you know, to use the term loosely. But it's like right. gaming isn't a part of American life. Gaming is like the reject. It's like the it's like the counterculture. It's like the stuff that and it shouldn't be this way. But that's how they've kind of made it, you know, violence and video games and everything else. And that you'll, you know, you rot your brain out if you play video games, which we know, you know, you know, Nolan Bushnell said, people will be better if people play more games. Like your, your dad has literally said, I know video mm -hmm. games help people be better people, right? And uh, I think he's a pretty credible source, you know, when it comes to figuring out whether or not games actually help people or not. So I think, and I'm curious what you think about this, gaming still needs to be integrated into American life in the same way that it's integral to, to, to life, to many lives in Japan. What do you think about that? That, that yeah. maybe gaming is sort of isolated as it's, it's this, this is what the nerds do, or this is what the freaks do. It's like, no, we, we just play it because we are living, you know? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and this is kind of where like you've, you've uh, honed in on one of my like missions here is, is basically like, like you said, gaming is for it's, like ever since I was 12, gaming has been like pushed into a category, right? This mm. is for like kids. This is for teenagers. This is for gamers. This is for nerds and like people who like don't <laughs> right. have a life, you know? Right, right. Uh, um, and so like that's where I think that the connotation is wrong. And like, you know, we there's gaming is so much broader than that. And let's let's like bring it back down to earth and like show the world how like you know this is a, a key part of us just interacting and like socializing and and like 
getting off our phones too, right? Like we all now have this like sort of entertainment like requirement. Um, and like, as soon as shit's not entertaining, we're like back on our phone. Mm. Um, and so I think that like, you know, in a weird way, digital entertainment that can like capture us, but also keep us connected to each other is, is pretty important in, in this next phase of humanity. Um, also want to say that, um, you know, if you think about the, the future too, and this is, I'm going to go into the weeds a little bit here. Um, as we have things like robotics and AI that are slated to steal millions and millions of jobs, right? Definitely, yep. I, people talk about this as like doom and gloom and, and certainly there are issues there and like how it happens um, is going to be a big part of the, like whether it's all at once or what. Um, but I think that people find a way and, you know, I mean, I don't know what five years ago an influencer was not a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like, that's a whole new job category today. Um, so I think, you know, people will continue to find a way. Um, but even, you know, I mean, gaming has this remarkable ability to provide and create meaning. Um, and like provide people with meaning to their lives, right? Where like you have like, you, you can achieve things in gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, add in like some of the stuff that's happening in like blockchain and gaming now. And we're really probably gonna see people like earning a living by playing games, not unlike, you know, World of Warcraft from the old days. Um, but uh, really Twitch. taking that. Yeah, and Twitch and Twitch, totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, but really taking all of this to the next level. And, um, you know, I think gaming will continue to be increasingly important, um, especially, you know, and, and will create more jobs. Yeah. And I, we're looking forward to that. And, and we want to say, you know, thank you, because we think that, of course, what your dad did was legendary, paved the way for, for you and us and so many others to make a career in gaming. But then also you, we feel like you are paving the way for gaming to be considered a lifestyle thing. Like it's a part of lifestyle. It's a part of what's cool. It's a part of pop culture. It's a part of uh, it's a it's a gateway to, to, to the 70s and to nostalgia, you know, uh, and so we see what you're doing as like essential to that next wave of gaming. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, it's so key. Cause like, when, when we talk about what we're talking about, we can show people polycade. We can say like, this guy gets it, you know, like aesthetic design, his wife's an interior designer. This has to look cool. It has to be a part of life. Like obviously gaming, like there's very, very few, I could count them on one hand of people who are preaching the message that you're preaching, which is that games are for people, they're for people to come together, which is insane. You would think that that would be a lot more of a common message, right? Like, Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's chatted about here and there, like connecting people across the world, and that's cool. Like I've, you know, right. I mean, I, and and that's, it's it's super awesome. But I think also like we forget about like connecting people like right here, <laughs> you know, like right. what about, the high fives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it uh, it's just, it's so exciting, you know, and I, I'm just like so looking forward to what the future of gaming holds because I think you're breaking that 
you know, Twitch streamer, esports gamer narrative, you're breaking it up and spreading it out amongst the people. So, you know, we're going to continue to be writing about, you know, the cool stuff that you all, you all are doing and continuing to spreading the word. So thank you for that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Much appreciated for, for the love. Um, we've got a, we've got another feature that we're planning that, that kind of like came out of pandemic, but, uh, very excited about that and hope, um, you know, it's going to be a little ways away, but uh, we'll definitely send you guys the early version. Oh, can't oh. wait. Can't wait. So let's talk about, I got about uh, two more questions. One, the last question will be about um, what's what's the future of Polycade? What should we be looking out for and how can we get connected and stay updated and stay tuned with what you're doing? But before we get into that, I want to ask a little bit about, and then Kai can ask any questions if he has any, about um, what, how does nostalgia influence your work? How does the decades, you know, that you grew up in and before you and, you know, your childhood, how does it affect the work that you do and how important is uh, nostalgic media, old movies, old pop content into uh, delivering what you're doing? Because you, you, it, it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of counterculture in a way, you know, it's kind of, you know, you're delivering these great uh, pieces of, of media that are direct uh, representative of, of the decades that came before. So, how does that kind of play a role into what you do? Uh, a couple ways. So like, you know, on one hand, um, you know, for, for the longest time, it was, uh, there was like a lot of the old school games that, that I remember loving so much uh, are just like, were not accessible, right? Like I couldn't get them. Um, they were not available to purchase anywhere. Um, and, you know, uh, I like lost this sort of piece of my childhood that I wanted to reconnect with because of just, you know, I don't know, business working the way business works and, and like, you know, Capcom not publishing a new version of street fighter. So the only way I could get street fighter or, you know, a bunch of other games uh, was to hunt down the like old cabinet or like, you know, get a Nintendo super nintendo and uh, that works and, and all that like i've got my collector threads but uh but you know move a couple times in the over like a few years and quickly you're like collection of cartridges you're like why do i carry this around everywhere for that right. and and even when you like decide oh i'm gonna pull that out and plug it in like that's a project mm -hmm. uh you have to be really motivated mm -hmm. um and so meanwhile, like the tech is here that this could just work beautifully as like, you know, I should be able to have a console that just plays anything. That's not a, the, the text there. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a licensing problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I felt like, that was a problem. Um, you know, we should be able to reconnect with the media kind of similar to art, right? Like the Mona Lisa, like you can always kind of like look that up and check it out and be like, wow, that's, you know, I can reconnect with this piece of art, right? That is like part of our culture. Um, video games are of course a little bit of a different thing because you have to have, you know, hardware and controllers and stuff to run them. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. And so like, why can't I reconnect, you know, we're missing this sort of museum ability of, uh, video games and, 
if you're technical and, and, you know, there's ways to get those old school experiences, but like, not for everyone, right? Most people don't know how to do that. And, uh, and so like, this should be available on a museum level uh, for everyone, not to mention like, you know, the old games are still great and we'd like to play them. And, and, you know, if we layered some new tech on top of those old games, it would also renew uh, their sort of engagement, right? Um, if I could have a, a shared high score list with my friends, then I'm really interested in playing Pango again and Donkey Kong Jr. Um, beyond just like reconnecting with the nostalgia of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that like maintaining access is very important. Um, the, you know, and by extension, like, the, you know, publishers should get paid for their, uh, the stuff that they own. Um, and, you know, right now, in most cases, that's not possible. Um, the, like, retro nostalgia and, uh, and kind of all that, I just love the vibe. So, like, mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's the, yeah, what is it like every 30 years, like we repeat like that, the 30 year previous decade of like, that's what's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we're just entering 90s now, I think, or maybe like, actually, maybe we're going into 2000, maybe it's 20 year cycle, it's 20 or 30 year cycle. Um, But like, you know, I think those, those like threads of nostalgia are just they make especially you know whether you live through it or not uh media does a great job of like characterizing decades right and so like as an example when i was a teenager i was like obsessed with 60s culture uh you know it was all about like hippies and tie-dye and uh i did not live through that but i was able to absorb it and like be it you know and and it it felt good it felt you know, it felt cool. It felt old. Um, and I think that that, you know, it's super by extension, it's super important to sort of capture that for the old arcade eras as well. Um, love the, the barcades that are popping up everywhere. You know, that's been a a really successful thing in the U S in the last eight years. Um, and it's just retro arcade machines in, Plus beer, right? Uh, make <laughs> renewed the arcade, uh, which which is also part of where we come from as Polycade is like you know that works and people want this social experience uh, with video games and um, now we just need it to be in more places than these like specialized venues. Um, you know, you talk. Certain. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I have really long answers to your questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. This is good. Um, you you kind of mentioned a little bit about a, a big thing I think that drives with the work you do is accessibility, giving people access, even when you were a kid, um, giving people that same access or giving people a lot better access. Do you, even though you are, you know, seeking investments and, and speaking with VCs, do you like deep down think or think of your project as like a Napster or Bitcoin blockchain revolutionary technology to be, decon- do you like look at it on that same level as the next uh, chapter of disruptive technology? Or is it like something that's more 
casual because you feel like this is something that everyone should have and it's a no brainer for you? Or do you have like a more of a Star Wars exciting? I don't know. I think when I think Luke Skywalker, I think of like, you know, everybody counted him out and then he like showed up. You know what I mean? Like, that yeah, kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, world domination is absolutely in our hands. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. That tells you everything I know. <laughs> and and really, you know, by extension, like I, I like, I think that you know, a gaming platform that can be in your home and out of home and sort of like help you drive your social life and and your not social life um, is super compelling you know, for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, right? Like, like so many of my friends and, and otherwise I know, like, you know, I don't know, it's, it's easy to, to sort of let yourself in these, in the modern day, be like, eh, I'm going to stay home and not see people and stuff. And, and like that, there's like a whole loneliness epidemic, um, that is directly associated to, you know, social media and increased tech um of people that like sort of fall into that uh kind of hermit rabbit hole um and many many studies have shown that like you know uh community and like a sense of community directly affects happiness mm -hmm. um and so you know with when you pair sort of like our modern necessity for entertainment um with uh with that that sort of community element uh then i think that we can really like you know both make a difference as well as be a super fun like sent cultural center of people's lives right awesome we're looking forward to it kai uh, any comments or questions or uh i think we pretty much covered everything i think his answers i mean we got the inspiration down um yeah we got everything yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's next for Polycade in the future of gaming? What can, how can we, you know, even if we don't have room to order a cabinet yet and install it yet, what can we do to be involved and be a part of it and follow everything that's going on? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, you know, we're really putting a lot of focus into the software um, these days. And, and so, um, you know, the software is, it, we'd love to, right now it's, it's basically like a unified launcher Soon it's going to have shared leaderboards and stuff like that. Um, would love, love any thoughts that you have on the software. And, and um, once we get sort of a, a whole new feature set rolled out later this year, uh, we'll definitely be looking for a lot of, um, a lot of help on software distribution. Um, I, you know, one thing that we're thinking at some point would be a great way to get cabinets out into the world is, you know, Polycade Army asking their local bar to install a Polycade uh, would mean a lot probably for distribution.